Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 champ. Flames continue to lead the Senators 1-0. Two minutes left in the second period. Sam Bennett, the only goal in the game. Way back at the 4.25 mark of the first period. His 11th of the season. Blue Jackets taking on the Red Wings 3-1 Columbus with about 13 minutes left. Ducks and the Stars are scoreless late in the first. Wild and Canucks coming up in an hour. Tomorrow on 6.30, Chad, Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop. Oilers home to the Wild. The Oil Kings in Medicine Hat. That game starts in about half an hour. Raptors leading Houston 76-67 with three minutes left in the third quarter. Houston catching up a little bit after trailing by 15 at the half. They have won 17 straight, but they're taking on the Raptors, who have uh, become the favorite here to win the Eastern Conference uh, ahead of Boston, and obviously Cleveland has dropped off a little bit. We'll talk about that with Paul Sir in a minute. Just want to, good calls in the last half hour about three-on-three overtime. I think everybody would like to see it extended a little bit, and I I briefly touched on the tie-breaking procedures in other leagues, especially when it comes to, to the regular season. Well, I guess they don't really change. Uh, except hockey changes to three on three instead of five on five in the playoffs. Like to me, hockey has the best. Now, I guess I'm biased because I'm Canadian and I watch more hockey than other sports. Uh, baseball, yes, exciting, but the, you know the you can have the walk off hits and it's tense. And but again, the rules don't really change. Um, the NFL has. So it used to be sudden death. Now what is it, Patrick? You got if you score a touchdown on your first possession. So if I kick off to you and you score a touchdown, the game's over. If I kick off to you and you get a field goal, I get a chance to go and get a field goal to tie it or a touchdown to win it. And if I get a field goal to tie it, then you get the ball again and then you can win with any score. Like if it takes that long to explain overtime... <laughs> the NFL is a great league, but we, I'm not a would, fan of the overtime. No, we went now, into the, overtime. Are you explaining that? Now, the CFL, the shootout they've gone to where you start on your 35, two chances each, you have to go for two. I don't mind that. I realize it takes punting and field position out of the game, but it's a fairly quick resolution. It's still exciting. You can have the excitement of a walk-off type play. Uh, I don't mind that. Uh, and then I, I did say that to me the, the least exciting overtime is the NBA. The, the end of, here's the thing, the end of regulation time in NBA is often more exciting than the overtime because you have a team often trying to shoot to tie it, to get it into overtime, or to break the tie to shoot to win, 
with the clock winding down and you have all that frenzy and then they kind of start overtime and it's like, oh, now it's back to, I got to wait another four and a half minutes for the exciting part of the game. That's how I've always thought about it. I don't know what Paul Sir thinks from Basketball Alberta. Paul, welcome back to the show. Hey, Reed. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Do you know what I'm saying there? Like about, I know like basketball is your life, but I've always like I think the I think the NHL has just nailed it with the three on three. As much as I criticize the league for other things, they've nailed it with the three on three. And I don't think any other sport has that element to break a tie, especially in the regular season. I, I wouldn't disagree. So, uh, overtime in the NBA can be excruciating, <laughs> and and in the last two minutes can take forever, but. I don't know how you change the strategy without without some real radical rule changes. The only thing I've ever heard of is the is the second overtime of sudden death uh, in the NBA. But uh, yeah, I, I, it, it it would be interesting to see if you would go to a three on three in the NBA. That would be very interesting. So I, I I I agree with you though. I think finding ways to make the game more interesting and to get a decisive outcome. Uh, with a different format, I think it is very exciting. Wasn't there a league? Because I, 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 I know you coached. Uh, what we had the energy and the chill. Correct. A few years ago. Yeah. Was there? I don't know if it was old. Maybe it was back that that old league where they had the Edmonton Skyhawks, where you had to be under six foot six to play. I think they might have tried an overtime where it was the first team to nine, so you had yeah. a little bit of a sudden death feel to it. Yeah, that was at WBL. That was okay. uh, Downing Downing uh, Calgary. Uh, that's what they. That's exactly what they used. First team to nine uh, won the game. That and actually, that isn't a bad idea either. To to put a uh, defined score, and then people have to play to that because otherwise, like you said, you get to the last two minutes of overtime. It's just like the last two drawn out minutes of regulation. It just tends to drag on and take a lot of the a lot of the air out of the tires. Well, you're and, watching, so. and, and here's the thing with basketball, right? Usually by that point, some good player has fouled out, right? So you're yep. losing a star in overtime, and the fouls carry over, right? So it can turn into a free-throw shooting competition with a lot of slow pace, too. No question about it. No question. I, I think you need to submit these suggestions to the league, Reed. I'm going to call, uh, what's get, the guy, Silver. I'm going to call get Silver. Adam when Silver I get Silver on over. the line. we got to get them right. we <laughs> got to get them right. But, but that would be cool <laughs> if the NBA said, we're going to go a, a three-minute overtime and just let the athletes run and, and pour it in. That could be pretty fun, but I, they'd I, probably never I, do that. I, but I, And I agree with you, but there's so many purists in the game. I have a hard time envisioning them wanting to go that way. And it's still so much. The game is still so controlled by the coaches, as opposed to the FIBA style of play, where you really have restrictions and when you can call timeouts. The NBA, the way you advance the ball and the coach can call the timeout at any time, really does slow the game down. Paul, sir, joining us from Basketball Alberta. I gave that Raptors score. They're up eighty-one seventy-three on the Rockets late in the third quarter. Man, uh, I, I like I know there was pretty high, high expectations for the Raptors going in to the season, but you, you had Cleveland again. Boston was pretty good. They've uh, I think they're six games ahead of Cleveland now, and a couple ahead of Boston, who's still hanging around. But all of a sudden, like is it is it cut and dried now? Toronto's the team to beat in the East, Paul. Well, I, I, until they do it, Reed, I wouldn't go. I, I I would be reluctant to give them the label cut and dried, only because. To this point, clearly they have been the best team in the East, but it's one of those it's one of those situations where this is new territory for them. Uh, even though they've had great seasons over the last three years, this is new territory where they're the class of the East so far, winning 
all the games that they're supposed to against sub-500 teams and winning more than their share against teams above 500. So right now, yes, they're the driver's seat. Uh, Charles Barkley came out the other day and said it's going to be the Raptors in the NBA Finals. And I think everybody kind of in Canada takes a deep breath and says, do we dare say the Raptors in the NBA Finals? But this is a very good basketball team, and I think it has, to your point, Reed, exceeded expectations this year. But you make a good point, though, Paul, and we've seen it with the Oilers this year, and we've seen it in other sports. Everything changes when you're the favorite, right? Yeah, you get the zero on your back, the target on your back. You're absolutely right, Reed. Paul, sir, joining us from Basketball Alberta. The uh, U of A Golden Bears were eliminated from Nationals yesterday after a great season. They lost one Canada West regular season game. They lost one Canada West playoff game. Happened to be the championship. Uh, it affected their seeding at the National Tournament. Ryerson shot 60% from three, uh, got a big lead on the Bears, and, and the Bears got rattled a little bit. Paul, you've coached, and you've coached in those single elimination tournaments. Can you coach the same way? Do you prepare your players uh, differently when when it's when it's one and done. Do you, I mean you got to live with that format, so like it or not. But does that does that change anything as a coach for you going into a single elimination game? It puts a lot of pressure on every team for a variety of reasons. Reed and going into the the playoffs, the only fear I had for the Bears is that they hadn't been tested. And uh, what I find odd about the Canada West and the in the youth sports format is you have three game series leading up to the one and done series so I, I really don't I think that is an extremely tough way to coach because you prepare a team for a three game game series then the next the next games are all one and done that that affect whether you're a champion as in the case of the Bears against the Dinos or now at Nationals so I agree with you. It's very, very difficult. How do you get your players to have the, the right attitude that this, you know, everything's on the line without them feeling too much pressure and starting to, to press on themselves and starting to make decisions that they haven't made all year? And I think that's really what happened to the Bears. They just, the last two years, have not adjusted well when they've gone to nationals and it's all on the line. I wanted to ask you about something else here. Uh, a Canadian guy by the name of R.J. Barrett, has been named the high school boys player of the year uh, in the United States. He's the second Canadian to win the award. So he went and played in Florida. So I got to ask you, Paul, why do we have, like, it's one thing for Canadians to go play university sports in the States. We get it. It happens. And, and, you know, players come here from other countries to play junior hockey because that's the breeding ground. That's the, that's the, how you prepare. Why do we have our high school kids going to the States? Like, what is this, is this a problem? What's, what's happening with Canadian development here? Well, it's it's an it's a conundrum. That's the best way I can describe it. It's a dog's breakfast right now, of opportunities and of what I would call competitive decision making that kids and families are put into situations now to make at very young ages in basketball. And as you said, Reed, that that typically was uh, was put into only the hockey realm. But even in hockey, there's more of what I would call an orderliness to it in basketball because of the hyper-competitive nature of the U.S., there are all kinds of prep schools that uh, are, are training grounds for kids, high-level kids, to go and play at the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansas teams. But then there's this whole layer and strata of, of 
fly-by-night prep schools that are pulling on Canadian kids to go south as well. Plus, there's a growing prep school network out in Ontario. So the high school experience for kids is very, very different today than it even was 10 years ago. Now, R.J. Barrett is a stud. He very likely could be the number one draft pick uh, after next year when he goes to Duke. He's going to go to Duke for one year, and unless there's an injury or something completely unexpected happens, Reed, R.J. will be one of the top players in the draft next year. The kid is just a flat-out great player, 6'6", 6'7". His dad, Roland Barrett, was a great player for the national team right. for many, many years. He's just, he's just a stud. He's an extraordinary player. But is it a problem? It's a competitive situation, that's for sure. And a lot of talent from Canada is going to the States. Well, and it's hard to stop that, right? If if yeah. if the coaches are down, because you want like you, you got to develop the the coaches and the whole support network in Canada. But if they just keep going to the United States, it's hard to work with that elite level athlete day in day out too, right? Well, it is the, the thing I would say, and in, in, in a weird way, it's a hopeful development. The the growth of the prep school network and league in Toronto is putting out some very very good players as well. So more kids that maybe typically would have gone to prep schools down in the States can look at the Toronto prep school system and, and say, you know what, I can stay here and I can develop and I can get seen by the coaches I want to get seen by. Uh, there have been attempts now of having a national prep school league. Uh, there's talk of prep schools, uh, you know, cropping up in Alberta. So we'll see. I, it, I mean, it's a changing landscape right now. I, I I'd equate it to an earthquake <laughs> right. right now because there's all kinds of stuff going on and people trying all kinds of things. And to be quite honest, Reed, a lot of them I don't think are positive for young people. Yeah, well, you're right. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people who don't try to influence the sport in a positive way, really basketball and other sports sometimes. So, yeah, you got to be for careful sure. too. Uh, Paul, before I let you go, you're the executive director of Basketball Alberta. It's springtime. Have you already had your provincials or are they still coming up? What's going on with you guys? I'm sitting at Strathcona High School right now watching provincials being played. Uh, the Savile Center is packed with kids from all over the province. We have 135 teams that are going to play 271 games in under 36 hours. Oh. And it's, it's, uh, it's so much fun, Reed. And so, yeah, youth provincials are, are we're right in the thick of it right now and all kinds of spring programs and uh, things going on in the sport. So uh, it's Great, great time for basketball. Awesome. Well, thanks for making time for us in the middle of that, Paul. Always love having you on the show. And keep in touch. I hope we can talk again soon. I look forward to it, Reed. Always enjoy it. That's Paul Sir checking in tonight, the executive director of Basketball Alberta. Love speaking with him. And, uh, yeah, how about that? Right in the middle of their big provincial tournaments, he uh, steps into Inside Sports tonight. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. Check them out online, northchickenyeg. Dot com. You can text 630-630, the open line, 780-496-0063. I've been talking about those Todd McClellan overtime comments all show. I'll finally get to them when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Oilers and Wild tomorrow. Our coverage starts at 630. Oilers closing out their 
five-game homestand. Then they'll play in Calgary on Tuesday, back home to face the Sharks on Wednesday. Patrick Bowers, our studio producer this evening, usually Kellen Kennedy in on a Friday night. So Kellen said earlier this week, like, hey, Reed, uh, I'm not going to be there on, on Friday. And I'm one of those guys, Patrick, where if a co-worker says, I'm not going to be there, I appreciate the heads up. I realize that could change workflow or, you know, maybe if I have to notify... Uh, our studio producer about something that evening. I know I got to tell you instead of him, but I'm not one of those guys where it's like, oh, why not? I'm like, you need, you're taking the night off. You need the night off. That's fine. You're not, you're not going to be at work. I appreciate the information. I don't need any more information. Well, I got more information from Kellen. He's uh, he was going to get a wisdom tooth out today. Okay. Well, that's fine. Hope you feel better. And then I'm uh, scrolling through social media today. Kellen's posted several photos of the now extracted wisdom tooth. Oh, really? Yes. Is they, it a monster? They, they, well, I I quickly saw it and just okay. I was. That's enough. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel the need to inspect his wisdom tooth. I really who, didn't. Who does this guy think he is? First, he tells you his plans, though you didn't care, and now he's shoving it down your face. Well, he's shoving <laughs> he's shoving his face down everybody's face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I like we're so used to social media now. We just post everything, but so I still think I don't need extracted body parts on my feet. I haven't updated in like two years, yeah. and, and I'm not sad about it at all. I'm gonna start putting my toenail clippings on my Instagram. Okay, you've got my interest. I'll go back to <laughs> Facebook. Oh yeah, now Patrick's <laughs> interested. Uh, this texture says, uh, "Read if the Oilers sucked three on three, you'd probably hate it." Am I really that shallow? My goodness. Uh, Todd McClellan on how three-on-three has changed since they brought it in almost three seasons ago. I think there's more tactics to it now. Um, I think that uh, uh, players understand it better. Uh, I think coaches understand it better. You know, we used to go through um, maybe three or four rotations of different players um, a lot of times, depending on how long the shift is, you can come back with, with another pair. We've been lucky enough to do that. Um, some of that has to do with the individual. Obviously, connor has got some iron lungs and great legs. He can play for a long time. Uh, but also the approach uh, to overtime, managing the puck and uh, being selective and scoring chances and opportunities. Um, building speed differently than, than maybe you would on a regular cycle. Uh, I think a lot has changed in that, that time frame. And we'll have more from Todd McClellan in the next half hour. We'll also tell you about a big minor hockey tournament going on this weekend. Inside Sports on 630 Jet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Columbus Blue Jackets win their fourth in a row, knocking off the Detroit Red Wings 3-2. So the Blue Jackets jump a point ahead of New Jersey. They're now the first wildcard team. New Jersey, the second wildcard team, three points up on Florida. Pretty good race going on there. Also, the Calgary Flames still up one nothing on the Ottawa Senators. Early goal from Sam Bennett still standing up. They're about three minutes into the third period. Ducks leading the Stars one nothing. That's after the first period. Ryan gets left with his tenth in about half an hour. Minnesota faces off in Vancouver. Wild here tomorrow night to face the Oilers. Six thirty face off show on six thirty. Ched game will start at eight. 
Three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Raptors trying to hang on up 102-96 on Houston. Toronto had a 15-point halftime lead. Houston fighting back. And Houston looking for their 18th consecutive victory. Raptors, the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Oil Kings just facing off in Medicine Hat, 7.30 start. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad, really appreciate you coming along for the ride. Hope you have a great weekend planned. I know it's a busy weekend for players, coaches, parents of the Alberta Minor Midget Hockey League. The Sutter North Cup tournament is going on, and I'm pleased to bring on Rob Davis. He's the president of the Sherwood Park Athletic Club. Rob, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you making time for me here with uh, with a busy tournament going on. Uh, how, are, you, are, are you still in pool play? How is Sherwood Park doing here? Yeah, we're still in pool play. The uh, team uh, went 2-0. They... Uh, had a couple nail biters, uh, two one goal games, and uh, they're going into their final pool play tomorrow. But uh, looks like they have first place uh, in their pool locked up. All right, uh, my old uh, stomping grounds, the Lloyd Minster. Uh, Bob, are they the Bobcats in that level too? Uh, yes, they are. Yeah, yep. they're they're in your pool as well. So, uh, yeah. So now this is an interesting format. How, how come you guys? Now this is just to give people the context. This is the fifteen-year-old midget league, right? Yeah, it's the Midget 15 AAA League is what it is. Uh, there's a league that's uh, dedicated to the 15-year-olds, not that they have to play in the league. Uh, there are obviously several players that play uh, as 15-year-olds in the major Midget AAA Hockey League, but this is uh, a league strictly for 15-year-olds and uh, a very competitive hockey league. I, I want to say this league is probably 12 to 15 years old. Rob, you'll correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but give me a little bit of the history of the league and if you feel it's kind of set out to do what it was accomplished when it was created. Yeah, I wasn't too involved. I had coached a long time ago and then kind of came back into hockey with my kids, but I was talking with the our league president today, Will Jang, and it's, it's about 11 years old is what it is, uh, Reed, and... Um, uh, basically, it was the combination of uh, some REM hockey leagues is what it was, and they brought it together to create the Alberta Major Midget Hockey League, so strictly for 15-year-olds. That's uh, 11 years ago, Hockey Alberta uh, recognized that league. So are, are, are do these kids then go play in the Midget AAA League, or are some of them going to go to uh, a level of junior? What's usually the next step here? Yeah, uh, some can. Some, uh, you know, we had uh, Carter Hart, who played as a 15-year-old in our, our club, obviously, and... Uh, he never did play major midget. He, he made the jump straight from uh, the 15-year-old league to uh, to uh, Everett um, is where he went. So a lot of players though, uh, do get that chance to move up to the major major midget level. And uh, it's kind of an interesting league in the fact that, you know, players, uh, you know, they may come in as 15-year-olds when you're playing against 17-year-olds. And, and uh, they have, uh, you know, they may be a little smaller or, or whatever the case may be. And gives them a chance to kind of play at that level and uh, get ready for the for the next level for sure. Now tell me a little bit about this tournament format as opposed to maybe having, you know, best of three series or or something like that that might stretch over stretch out over a, a few weeks. Well, it's a pretty unique approach and, and to be honest, uh, it's something that we really like in our club. Unfortunately, our our Bantam AAA and Midget AAA teams this year uh, were both eliminated fairly early in, uh, in playoffs and they were done uh, several weeks ago, whereas in the 15 triple, you know, every team is able to play into mid-March. And the way the format it is, there's uh, in the north, there's two pools, uh, basically two playoff pools. And those eight teams are vying for uh, three spots to go to the uh, provincials. 
And then there is also a consolation round where the, the other four teams are still playing in a playoff format to uh, come out of the consolation. So it's kind of nice to have the kids playing into mid-March and uh, a little better than being done. Uh, you know, some Bantam AAAs would have been done, you know, kind of mid-February, mid to, mid to late February. Yeah, I, I don't mind this either at this level for sure because you, you keep everybody alive, you give teams a chance to improve, the the better teams still maybe get the advantage of uh, uh, some seeding or, I mean, you guys are, are number one, you got the number eight team in your pool along with the four and the six. And I like it too, as much as teams want to win the championship, and that means a lot, it, it, the bronze medal game kind of becomes uh, maybe the one that has, has the most tension, eh, Rob? Since it's for yeah, that third well, that's spot, the one that, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you get into the uh, final, you guaranteed your spot in provincials. But if you're playing in that bronze; it's only the winner out of that game that gets to go for sure. So we hope to be in that final and uh, not have to have that pressure. That's for sure. Rob Davis joining us. He's the president of the uh, Sherwood Park Athletic Club. Is there? A, a, how strong are, are the South teams? Like, does a, does a North team usually win provincials? Does a South team, or is it is it pretty balanced? Uh, it's pretty balanced. The South uh, traditionally, or this year, I guess I would say, uh, not traditionally, but this year, we're kind of seeing, and I'm not sure why, but the South uh, at all the AAA levels is, has definitely been a little bit stronger. Um, you know, we're not too sure if it's, you know, some of the pressures of the academies up here that uh, with our players and the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, so the South has, uh, you know, we had close games with the top teams in the South, but definitely it's a, it's a very, there's a lot of parity in the league, and it'll be a, a great provincial tournament if we're lucky enough to be there. Okay. Your team is an interesting one. You had a really good regular season. I believe you only had six regulation losses out of 36 games. So uh, Short Park did really well. But I, but I understand you changed coaches recently. Uh, what what happens there? You're the number one team and you got to make a coaching change, Rob. Well, you know, there's always unique uh, unique circumstances. And, and uh, you know, we really appreciate a lot of the effort the coaches put in. I mean, uh, you know, the coaches at the club level get small uh, honorariums but it's not really anything near for the time that they put into the clubs but you know when we look at our club we have uh you know basically our mission statement for the Sherwood Park Kings Athletic Club is to move players to the next level and uh you know nowhere's in there do we add any reference to winning or anything like that and you know that that mission statement's built up on our four four pillars that we really want to focus on and their character community hockey and education and, you know, if we trust the process, we really believe that, you know, players will move to the next level. And we also believe that, you know, winning, everybody does want to win. And part of that process will come with uh, with focusing on that. So, you know, really at the end of the day, it was just some philosophical differences uh, with regards to the coaching styles. And it wasn't any one incident or, or anything like that. It was just, you know, something where, you know, it, it, you know the feeling of the team, uh, you know, a, a good portion of the team, I would say, uh, you know, there was just, you know, that philosophy just wasn't necessarily working for the team. So although they're winning on the ice, it, it wasn't about the wins and losses. It was really just about moving these players to the next level. And how have the players dealt with uh, the sudden change at a key time of the year? Well, I mean, it was difficult. This is obviously, you know, we had to put a, a committee together to deal with this. And, uh, you know, there there was a lot of conversations going on back and forth about it because it, it's not an easy situation. It's not fair to the players, not fair to the coaches, um, you know, to the board members, anybody involved. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it was just a, you know, the committee came up with, they thought that was the, you know, the best direction for the for the betterment of all players. And, you know what, for the most part, a lot of them have, uh, you know, uh, really taken the uh, the challenge and ran with it. And, you know, we were able to finish off the regular season with a couple wins, and we went into the, the uh, Sutter Cup here with two wins to start. So, you know, they seem to be adapting well with the new coaching staff. And, uh, 
you know, because there, there were, you know, there, there's with anything, there it, there was not all bad, right? There was a lot of good stuff there as well, too. So um, just that all had to be weighed into the decision, and we moved forward from there. All right, Rob Davis joining us, president of Sherwood Park Athletic Club. I, I got to ask you, if, if, if I hope I don't, uh, <laughs> might, might, might make you laugh here. The Sutter Cup, is there a specific Sutter it's named after? Or is it the whole family? <laughs> you know what? I actually, I would, I should have asked, actually asked our president, Will Shank, about that. <laughs> I don't actually know the uh, the history to it. I apologize for that no, reason. That's okay. I just thought, oh, Sutter Cup. I was like, oh, I wonder who the... Let's hope it's for the whole family. Yeah, it's probably the whole family, but it'd be yeah, funny exactly. if, it was, if it was one guy. Okay, so uh, you're 2-0. and oh. Now, we should yeah. tell people if they want to go uh, watch, there's games all day tomorrow, and then uh, the, the, the big game games. We mentioned the bronze game is, is going to be maybe the tensest of them all. The final is uh, Sunday. What arenas are you guys uh, using here and, and how can people check out the schedule and stuff? Uh, most of it's in the, uh, the uh, if you look at the schedule, it's online on their website at uh, ammhl.ca. They have the schedule there, but the uh, the bronze game, the championship game are uh, at the Jubilee in Fort Saskatchewan and uh, the semifinal games at 10.30 and the, the finals at 1 o'clock. Okay, and there's also games at the Dow in Fort Saskatchewan, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, Dow Centennial uh, tomorrow all day as well. Games go from 7.30 tomorrow morning till uh, 8.30 tomorrow night, The uh, with the semis being uh, tomorrow night at uh, both arenas at 7.45 and 8.30. I'm going to ask you one other question, Rob, because you mentioned yep. getting back into it with your kids. And at times on this show, we talk minor hockey and uh, challenges and finding coaches, finding officials, um, you know, varying degrees of... Uh, parental involvement sometimes good sometimes bad now that you've been doing it for a while are, are you the hockey dad that you wanted to be <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah i think so i mean there's times i've coached uh, my kids at various times and i think with everybody you look back at the odd thing that you oh man i wish i didn't do that but you know what overall i i just truly always believed in the process and you know i coached back at the Southside athletic club a long time ago and um you know was lucky enough to kind of see it when i was young so as I became a parent to my children, you know, I, I kind of see how it ends. Um, and, you know, you got to enjoy the process as it goes and you got to believe in it. And, uh, you know, that's really what we're trying to do at the Kings Athletic Club. So, you know, we're trying to make it because there's, you know, longer-term vision. We're trying to make better people, better hockey players. And, and uh, there's a lot of challenges out there in minor hockey right now. So there's competing interests just within hockey, uh, never mind other sports. So, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm. I'm happy with the way the kids are doing. So we can go from there. Right on. Well, thanks for checking in. I know. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, I just got the schedule here. You guys play tomorrow at 10:30 to try to go three and zero in the round robin and uh, semis tomorrow. I guess we're looking at 7:45 at the Dow, 8:30 at the Jubilee, and then you mentioned the uh, bronze 10:30 Sunday gold one o'clock sunday uh, at the jubilee so it's a great level of hockey for people to check out and like you said there could be the next carter hart or somebody like that in this tournament so there's a lot of great yeah. players yeah i've been a lot of great players that played in the league for sure rob thanks for checking in man i hope we can talk again okay yeah for sure thanks Reed. that is rob davis uh, tonight and he mentioned that website ammhl.ca for the full schedule so this is triple a midget 15 year old so first year uh midgets and i you know this league i think was a great idea like you said you get you know they're not playing against 17 like some 15 year olds can go in the triple a league 
But uh, these younger kids, maybe the little smaller, obviously they're less experienced. Everybody's in their own age group playing against each other. So the Sutter Cup going on in Fort Saskatchewan. Thanks for Rob to, for checking in. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the open line. Uh, we still have some time here before we wrap her up at eight o'clock. You can text six thirty six thirty. I know some of you were chiming in on uh, some overtime modifications. We actually got some pretty neat ideas. We'll keep you updated on the scoreboard, and I'm going to get to that clip. I asked Todd McClellan. Should three-on-three overtime be extended? Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, I'll get to a phone call here in a second. Cam Talbot and the Oilers against the Wild tomorrow. They practice today. Camilleri back up on the line with Nugent Hopkins and Aberg. Kajula bumped down to the fourth line. Looked like Packerinen was the extra forward today. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. We've been talking about three-on-three overtime in and out of the show tonight. And I asked Todd McClellan today, would you like to see longer overtime with three-on-three? I would say this, that 82 games is a lot of hockey. Um, It's taxing. When you get to overtime, your high-end minute players are playing uh, more and more. Uh, back-to-back games, you go an extra, another extra five minutes, and then you got to travel. I think it's it's hard on the athletes sometimes to, uh, to to keep adding to the game, add more minutes, and add this and add that. Um, you know, in my opinion, yes, let's do that, but let's let's cut out a game or two. But that's just one coach's opinion. Um, there's ownership, players association, the league, all that type of stuff. If you're going to add, take it away from somewhere else because it is taxing on the athlete. All right, a little bit there from Todd McClellan. So a fair point. I mean, I think we'd like to see more overtime, but then if that wears players down for uh, other games. And I'll tell you this, they're not shortening the regular season because they're uh, banking on gate and uh, all the revenue from 41 home games. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Dennis, you're on with Reed. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I'd just like to say that that uh, AAA 15 uh, league works quite well, actually, because it gives these kids uh, ice time where they where they wouldn't get it if they were on the bigger team, eh? Right. So it, you know, so it gives these guys a chance to shine and to and to get better, to take that extra step if they need it to get to the uh, to the major AAAs also. So so it works it works quite well. And also, I'd like to say something about ball hockey. Uh, Edmonton Express uh, won the Canadian National Ball Hockey last last year, and they're all like 15-year-olds. And nine of them are going to be on the Canadian ball hockey team heading out to Czech Republic here right away in, in, uh, in June. And the, so they're Sorry, they're be, 15? Yeah, they're 15. Well, they're, it's, it's, it's going to be a, like a REM 16 sort of thing. So, I mean... Okay. Most of, most of them are going to be turning 16, but a, but a lot of these guys are are in this are in this REM 15 um, in this REM 15 area, you know, in in, in the AAA. Like um, uh, you got Matthew Gurky, who's actually playing in the major AAA. Um, you got Jacob Franken, who's going to be a forward, and he's in the minor AAA here with the 15 year olds. Uh, you got Dominic Hool, who's like probably the best uh, ball hockey defenseman in Canada at the moment. And beside him, you're going to have Prokoff, who's uh, coming with us. So I mean, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a tournament there. You know, Dennis, and, uh, there, there was, I I did a ball hockey interview, but I can't remember. You're going to hate me here. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, and I can't remember the yeah. age group. It might have been a, it might have been a younger age group 
that won some kind of a tournament. It might have been in the States. Does that ring a bell at all? Uh, it could have. It could have. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. I'll look into that. The Edmonton Express, that sounds like a good story. Yeah. No, do yeah. you have. Well, do you... well it, they're part of the. They're, nine of the players on that team are going to represent Canada. And there's also going to be. There's a, a West team and an East team. So that's the first time they did it this year. And they want both teams to come home with the gold and silver. So. Right. <laughs> now, do you have. Um, do you have a, a son, or did you have a son in the in the fifteen year old midget league? Yes, because you yeah, sound like you know right quite now. a bit. He's playing oh. tomorrow. Oh, he's in this tournament right now. Okay, cool. Yes, all right. Yeah. But well, that's good to hear from a from a parent that uh, that knows. But I I, I want to say because Rob said the league's eleven years old, so it must have been my last year in Lloyd. They started this league because I remember doing story right. vaguely remember doing stories on it when they right. well, when it they works, started. It up. works quite well, you know, because. If they went up to major AAA, they wouldn't get much ice time at 15 years old, you know, if they were just sort of on on the line kind of thing, right? You know, so it gives them a place to go where they can actually get some ice time and, and have a league of their own. And it's very specific because, I mean, it's only 15-year-olds. Yeah, that's right. right. It's probably the only hockey league that's right down to one age category, right? We're basically yeah. right down to one age category. So, yeah, it makes it very interesting. Dennis, thanks for your insight, buddy. Enjoy the weekend, okay? You bet. That is Dennis at 780-496-0063. Uh, Calgary just scored late in the third to go up 2-0 on Ottawa. So it looks like they're going to... Was this Lazar? No, Lazar brought it in and uh, tapped in in front, and I missed the number. But Calgary goes up 2-0 late against Ottawa. Uh, <laughs> the Big L, who's always a, an amusing texture, as you know, Patrick... Read overtime modifications. What's goalie interference? Is there league-wide parity? Ask the league and their response. Yes, it's Friday. <laughs> Mark says, so uh, tell me why a three-point regulation win, two-point overtime win, and uh, one-point each OT tie isn't getting more talk. If you punish teams for going to overtime, there would be higher quality play in regulation time, especially in the last few minutes. Yeah, Mark, I haven't talked about that recently. I know it usually comes up with Rob and I in overtime open line at some point throughout the season. I I think that that point format is logical because right now you're saying that um, a regulation tie is worth more than a regulation loss, but an overtime win is worth the same as a regulation win. So the the three two one zero point system is more logical. But I'll tell you this, Mark, the reason I don't talk about it a lot is because I think there's not a snowball's chance that the NHL will ever do it. Because I don't think they'd go to a four-column standing, you know, where you'd have to have two win columns and then a then a overtime loss column and then a tie column or a, or a true loss column. I don't think they would ever go to that. And I know from talking to people, the league argues is that it wouldn't impact the standings that much. That usually, you know, there might be one or two differences in, in who makes the playoffs or, or even sometimes it would be the same 16 teams, just the seating would be different. So Mark, your your logic is spot on. I just don't think the league would ever do it. Yeah, uh, that's 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 my short answer. Probably didn't tell you what you wanted to hear, Mark, but that's what I think is going on there. All right, so two nothing Calgary. Seven seven minutes left. I thought it was a little later, so still seven minutes left in that game. They're leading Ottawa. Blue Jackets beat the Red Wings three two. Ducks up one nothing on the Stars with seven minutes left in the second period. Wild and Canucks coming up later. The Raptors do win one hundred eight one hundred five over Houston, so they end the Rockets seven 
15-game winning streak. The Oil Kings trail Medicine Hat 2-1 halfway through the first period in Medicine Hat. Oilers Wild tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad. Face-off show at 6.30. The game will be at 8. Thanks to our guest tonight. You heard from Rob Davis, Paul Sir, and Jack Michaels. Some comments from Cam Talbot and Todd McClellan as well. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Our studio producer this evening, Patrick Bauer. He has all his teeth. <laughs> and uh, the producer of the show is Dave Gamble. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hope you have a great weekend ahead. I'll talk to you from the rink tomorrow. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on down this road.